him out on Memorial Day. And here we are. Y'all showed your beautiful faces. Uh, thank you for those on Facebook Live watching from the beach. Good to be with you. And, uh, but I, I am, I'm, I'm thankful that we have the ability here on Memorial Day weekend in a free country to declare the name of Jesus. And uh, there are countries around the world where there are Christians meeting right now, living in fear that someone could walk through the door and kill them just for meeting. And so here we are on Memorial Day weekend celebrating that men and women have died for us to have the freedom to be in this room. So let's pray and give God thanks. God, I thank you. God, I thank you, Father, Lord, that... Um, we can be reminded of the freedom that is ours because of this country, because of, Father, the men and women that have died to protect it. Father, I pray that, um, Lord, the freedom that they have died to protect, Lord, that we would utilize today to declare your precious name, Father, to declare the freedom that is ours in the ultimate sacrifice, holy God sending his son to die for unholy mankind. Father, may we honor that sacrifice as well, declaring your name, your sacrifice, all of it, Father, in your name. Amen. On the screen is a picture of my middle son, Brady, named after the greatest uh, quarterback of all time, uh, Sir Tom Brady. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so he's six years old, showing off his two, uh, his two teeth there, and uh, that he had, well, his ab the absence of two teeth. And, uh, and so uh, Brady was going to a private school last year. He was going to a little Christian school. And this year we made the transition. He's now in public school. And the, for the first few months, Brady had a really hard transition. And uh, he would get off the bus with, with his uh, fists clenched, and he would get off all sorts of angry. And we'd get into the house, and I'm like, buddy, why are you so mad? And a few of the occasions, it was because, Daddy, they're taking the Lord's name in vain. Uh, Daddy, people on the bus or in school are saying God or Jesus in ways that they shouldn't be doing that. And, and I'm trying to tell them to stop. I'm trying to tell them it's not okay. And it makes me so angry because they're not listening. And on the one hand, I was like, good for you, buddy. Good for you. Protect the name of Jesus. I'm glad that you value the name of Jesus, that you respect the name of Jesus. You don't want it to be disrespected. Good for you. But then on the other hand, it was now a teachable moment about life. Buddy, they don't know Jesus like you know Jesus. Buddy, they don't respect Jesus like, like you respect Jesus. And you can force it upon them. You can yell at them. You can get clenched fists. But you know what it's going to mean? They're never going to want the Jesus that you're declaring. So why don't you, why don't you take a different approach? Why don't, what are their names? Let's pray for them. How can you love them well enough to, to make them want the Jesus that you worship? To make them say, man, I maybe want to respect this God. Maybe it's time to take a different approach. <laughs> I said, but if your brother ever does that, <laughs> if Landon is ever saying Jesus in ways he shouldn't or saying God in ways he shouldn't, then you know what? Get all sorts of angry and remind him the house that he lives in. Remind him the Jesus that he serves and that he shouldn't be talking about him like that. And so it's two different approaches. Landon and the people in school, that comes to us now. What approach do we take when dealing with sin? There is a standard of morality, and for us, we know that that standard of morality pointed us to the need for Jesus. And that is awesome. We cling to that. And now we want to live like Jesus. We want to walk like Jesus. We want to live up to that standard. But in the, in the community, outside of these walls, that standard points to one thing, the need for Jesus. And so do we live like that? This whole conversation today is going to be trailblazing. 
Because if there's one passage, if there's one word, one phrase that can be quoted by darn near everybody, I bet 95% of Americans can quote the verse that we're looking at today. And, And you know why? Because they've said it flippantly. You've heard them say it. Judge not lest you be judged. They've all said it. Because out there, it's immoral. Out there, it is immoral to bring up sin. Out there, it's immoral to do any of this. And so we're talking about something that is completely trailblazing. You and I properly dealing with sin. Because culture is great as judge not lest you be judged. You do you, I do me. We're all one big happy family. No, you and I as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. How do we encourage one another to be more like him as we blaze this trail of this world? So here's what Jesus says. Here's here's a phrase that is often taken out of context. In Luke chapter 6, he says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Many people can quote this. Many people have quoted this. I've heard a few people then continue the quote and say, Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Most people at some point have maybe quoted that. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. I've never heard an unbeliever quote that portion, because that's where it gets hard. I have to extend forgiveness to people that have wronged me? Oh, I'll quote the earlier parts. That's the good stuff. (laughs) Give and it will be given to you. Jesus is not talking now about financial generosity. In the context of this, he's talking about how we treat one another, how we how we are forgiving, how we lack condemnation, how we how we lack trying to judge people. He's talking in that context, he's saying, be generous with those things. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. Now, that sounds like weird terminology until you understand who Jesus is talking about. He's talking to people that would go and get grain, and they would hype up their tunics and create a little bit of a pouch. And if you want to give somebody a lot of grain, you would fill up their little man-made pouch with their tunic, and if you're a generous person, that little man-made pouch would be overflowing. And so be generous. That's the type of thing that he's talking about. And for the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now this is again one of the most misunderstood passages in all of the scripture. It's one of the most pas- one of the passages that is always taken out of context. People are saying this to say, "Hey, don't judge me." They're using this to say, "This is my defense. I can do whatever the heck I want, lest I remind you Jesus' words, do not judge me." But is that really what Jesus is saying? Is the God of this universe who is, who is using this phrase, judge not lest you be judged, and everything else after that, is he looking at a bunch of people and saying, in a few years, I'm going to hang on a cross, I'm going to have nails put through me, I'm going to have my back ripped open because you have an issue with sin, I'm going to die and forgive you, and so here I am on earth, and I'm going to really say, you do you? You're, what you do doesn't really matter, just don't be judgy? Is that really what he's saying, or is he trying to communicate approach? Is he, he, to me, he's, he's declaring that there is a right and a wrong way of doing things. And, and what he's declaring is that he is the ultimate judge. That is God's role as, as God of this universe. His job is to be judge over mankind. Guess whose job that is not? Mine. I am not judge of mankind, but in the church or outside of the church, we want to take that role on ourselves. No. You know what this is likened to? Like if you're in a sporting event and you, and you take a pee test to see if you've done any drugs, there will be somebody, a judge, that gets the results of the pee test and says, this is contaminated. I'm judging what is before me and saying, you can no longer compete. That, that he's standing in judgment over somebody that has, that has failed the pee test. Now, now, there might be people before that. A coach? 
another player that says, hey, I know you're doing drugs. You need to stop doing drugs. You're going to fail the P-test. This isn't going to work out. You're not going to be able to compete. Is that person being judgy or is that person encouraging him not to get to the point where the ultimate judge has to disqualify them? I want to take the approach of a coach or a fellow teammate coming alongside another and encouraging them to do the right thing. Why? Because I understand forgiveness. Jesus uses this word forgiveness that literally means to release from the consequences of wrongdoing. I understand that my sin put Jesus on the cross. I understand that my sin made it so that I had to go to hell. I would have to pay for all of eternity the penalty of my sin in hell. But Jesus died for me. Praise God for forgiveness. I am released from that punishment. So with that attitude, that perspective where God has been so generous... I want to come alongside somebody else. If I am grateful for Jesus, then being condemning to another should be unthinkable because forgiven people are forgiving people. It it just works out that way. If you're a forgiving person, people tend to be forgiving with you. If you're an unforgiving jerk, people tend to be an unforgiving jerk to you. It's just how it happens. But Jesus is saying be generous with your forgiveness and take mercy to the next level. I had a conversation this past week with our drummer, Matt, and uh, he's into things that I don't really understand, like Star Wars and Marvel. Uh, I like sports, and, uh, okay, and so, like, we have different conversations and whatnot, and, uh, but one time he's talking, and I see him on social media. He posted something. Have you posted something that you thought was going to be innocent, like your opinion that you thought was going to be an innocent opinion, and all of a sudden, like, 90 comments later, you're like, how did we get here? Uh, and so he, he posted something, and uh, I saw it, and I was like, uh, 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 and, uh, and so I, I, I'm watching this thread go from like 10 to 30 to, and I think it literally got to not over 90 comments uh, about something socially going on. And, uh, and I saw even like Wellspring get brought up. Like, is this what your church believes? Is this what your church teaches? And then in the name of God and like, all, like and it was going places like going viral, going places that you, he didn't really imagine and then getting in fights and conflicts. And so I waited on it. I prayed about it. And uh, previously I, in other elections, I have been very vocal with my, with what my opinion is. <laughs> And the, when Obama first got elected, you know how many friends, friends I lost on social media? I got blocked by like 16 people because I shared my opinion. It wasn't even like, hey, can you explain this? I'd love to know more about your point. It was just block, 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 block. And by the end of it, I was blocked by half the people I went to high school with. And I, and I thought to myself, is it worth it? Now, now from, from a social media standpoint, now there are people that I, that I am now not able to share the message of Jesus Christ with, the loving message of Jesus Christ, because now they've assumed something about me and assumed something about my God, and I, I hated that. I, I wasn't able now to talk with them about the goodness of Jesus, and so I, then I, I messaged Matt on Instagram, DM. We started talking privately, and I said, Matt, like, there has to be another way. There has to be, we, we can talk about this social issue. We talked about that for a little bit, but then I said, but then Matt, like, is it worth being blocked? Is it, is it worth, like, is stating your opinion to, to the point where you're not going to be able to tell people about Jesus? Is, your, is this social matter, matter worth it to the point where now you can't dena- declare the name of Jesus Christ? That was something I was able to come alongside him from a place of learning, from a place of understanding, because I value endless growth. I learned in that area. I don't post a whole lot that I want to post because I'm like, well, this will, this will not work out too well for me. And so I came alongside Matt because together we wanted to grow in, in relationship with Jesus Christ. Social, like, Jesus doesn't bring up social media, but he does talk about how to handle people. He tells us to talk about how to be loving. Do unto Caesar as Caesar would, like, just who cares? Just go get the taxes. 
he, he talks about, he gives principles on how to address us. So me and Matt together wanted to grow in, in, our, in, our, in, in, in our understanding of endless growth. And so that's, are we growing? If we're growing in Jesus Christ, if I understand every single day that I'm waking up with more to do, more to live up, to be like Jesus, then I'm going to come alongside somebody not critical, not condemning, because we're on this road together because I am growing, and which also means that I'm not going, what Jesus is not saying is that I'm going to go to the place of license. As I'm growing, I'm not going to come alongside another believer in Jesus Christ and say, well, you do you. What you're doing is not, is not is, okay, well, it's good for you. Jesus is not addressing license. He's addressing being a trailblazer and knowing how to come alongside somebody with compassion and with encouragement. Here, here, I am concerned about our endless growth. I want, if I am to die, I want to be able to stand before God and that the people that call Wellspring home, the people that say, I believe in Jesus Christ, I will hope that I can stand before God and say that we have grown and that we are more like Jesus together today or than we were yesterday. I want that to happen. But as I go out there, I'm not going to have a cup of coffee and say, and first start with, hey, you should start betting your boyfriend. <laughs> I'm going to start with, the gospel. Because I want to go out there and I want to see them understand the gospel. And I want them to understand an all-inclusive gospel message that sparks endless growth. Here my focus is knowing that we understand Jesus. I want us to become more and more like Jesus Christ on a daily basis. Out there the focus is letting, helping them understand who Jesus Christ is. And so Jesus then goes on and says, uh, He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Jesus is talking about that if you have not grown in this area, if you're blind in a certain area, and now you're trying to teach others in that same area, that's a recipe for disaster. You can't teach what you yourself have not learned. And so he uses like eyesight. If I am blind and I'm trying to lead somebody else that suffers from the same illness, we both fail. We both don't get, we don't navigate life well if we're both suffering from the same illness. And so Jesus is, is asking us, who, who do we follow? If I'm following Jesus, Jesus ain't blind, and I can follow him around, and he's going to show me what I ought to be doing and what I ought not to be doing. So do we follow leaders with moral clarity that are seeking after truth and righteousness, but not condemning, not coming down hard on somebody that in an unloving way? And part of the reason why Jesus brings this up is because those that we follow, we, we become like. If, I, if I'm following after somebody, whether on social media or in the public eye, whatever it might be, if they're unloving, if they're jerks, odds are we're going to quickly become judgy, jerky people. He's addressing in his crowd, there are likely Pharisees who would say, hey, you need to follow my example because I'm forcing you to. I, I, you need to follow my example because I don't care what I do as much as I, you need to be holy. You do you, but I'm going to do me. They, they had all that sort of hypocritical nature. He's saying, don't follow them. Follow, follow after the truth. Follow people that truly understand and get it. For, for, my, for my approach, as, as I look at this, like my job as a Christian leader is, is not to lead like this. My job as a Christian leader is to lead like this. Why? Because we're all going to the same place. We're striving to be more like Jesus Christ. I might be a step or two ahead, but I'm really not. I'm an idiot just like anybody else. But, but who are we following? Are we following somebody who understands, I have crap just like the next person. 
And I want to be more like Jesus and work on that together. Check out this video. Have you, like, has your little guy mimicked you doing that? Or are you real, you're aware of yeah, him watching you? Yeah, he, uh, like, play his little on his little hoop and then like stump around the house. <laughs> it's like, I like the intensity, but slow down, young fella. So, oh, but it, you know, I just, I realized, you know, like how impressionable uh, the, the kids are at the ages they're at. And um, you know, I just really want to be a good example for them and show them the right thing. Like my son was playing, like he was shooting and flopping. I'm sorry, yeah, you gotta stop watching the NBA. <laughs> Shooting and falling on the floor, like, oh, daddy, help me up. It's like, no, gee, what you flopping for? But no, it's just like, you know, really impressionable at this age, and I wanna make sure I'm, I'm setting a good example for them as well. Has he flexed yet, Duncan, on the Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he scoring shots and say, <laughs> It's pretty funny. <laughs> were, you, were you concerned at all when you make that change that you might lose a little bit of your edge at all? I uh, I loosely follow basketball. Jordan, uh, Jordan, who now lives with me, played Division II basketball, so we sometimes talk basketball. And we've actually talked, before I saw that clip, we've talked about Draymond Green before and how much I just don't like him as a basketball player because he flops all the time because he's the wrong type of passionate. He gets technical fouls all the time. He gets suspended from games. And Jordan, on the other hand, is like, well, I love him. He's a great person. Like, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, okay. And uh, and so, but do you hear what he's saying? I, As a follower of Draymond Green, I follow the Warriors a little bit. I've seen how his game has shifted. I've seen this year, he doesn't get as many technical fouls. This year, he's not flopping as much. Why? Because he realized my son is growing up and my son is playing basketball like I play basketball. My son is watching me and now doing the same things that I don't like in myself. Now he is doing it. So again, this has to go to our focus. Are we surrounded by people that we want to follow? Or, or if we're a leader, as we look at the people, as we look at people that, are, that we're surrounded with, are they becoming more like Jesus? And what would that say about our leadership? Jesus goes on to, to say, why do you see the speck, little thing, uh, in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? There's a huge size difference between those two. How can you say uh, to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take care of the log that is in your own eye, and then you do you. And then, and then you don't do anything, like, and then the job is done. Then you don't approach. Then you don't care about what other people are doing. No, what Jesus says, then you will clearly see to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Clearly saying that we are to approach them. But he's saying, before you deal with a splinter, let's take care of the beam. Before, before you deal with somebody else's sin, their speck, why don't you look at your own log? Because if you choose not to, if you're going to have your, the mess that is in your life right here in your face and choose to ignore it while looking at one little speck over here, you are by definition a hypocrite. Somebody who is a pretender, somebody who is uh, somebody in disguise and lying and being in disguise. You're deceitful. And he's saying that is far worse then if you're in leadership not caring about your own stuff, trying to tell others to care about that, your, their stuff, that is far worse than somebody who's not in leadership and just struggling through, through life. That we as Christians and we as leaders specifically have to be critical with ourselves before we go and address somebody else. That is the sad thing about too many leaders. 
They're critical with others without applying that same thing to themselves. As Jesus says, as we blaze a new trail, as we learn about how to deal with sin, Jesus is saying, don't, be, don't attack sin with a critical spirit. Don't be quick to judge. Be slow. Think about it. He's not saying that don't take sin seriously. He's saying take sin very seriously, but think about your approach. He's not absolving the Christian community from dealing with sin. No, it is our joy and our honor to love people and help them be more like Jesus Christ as we're doing that same thing to ourselves. In some level, it's immoral for us not to care about other people and what they're doing. But who do we care about that with? Do we care about our brothers and sisters or are we trying to attack the barista at a coffee shop that doesn't know Jesus? Let's show him Jesus first and care about how we are living here. I uh, used to weigh uh, 275 pounds. Uh, it was about six years ago. And uh, I had different eating habits than I do now. Uh, at lunch, I would leave my job at Bayside Chapel and go uh, into Barney, uh, go uh, to my house, which is about a mile away. And on my lunch break, I would get a whole thing of mac and cheese, uh, serving size for three people. Uh, and I would eat, make the whole box and eat it. And, uh, but this one box, three serving sizes, wasn't good enough. And so I would also get the, the good cheese, the Fiesta blend. You know, you know, like that's the good stuff. I love the Fiesta blend. And so like this wasn't cheesy enough. And so I would uh, heap a whole bunch of Fiesta blend cheese on it. It was delightful. And, uh, but then that wasn't good enough. And so I needed to get two hot dogs. And I would put it in the microwave and get it, get it to the point where it's getting a little bit hard. And then I would dice it up and put two hot dogs in here with Fiesta cheese and all of, all of the three serving sizes of mac and cheese, I would eat that. That would be my lunch. And then I would have a little bit of a snack on my way to work because that wasn't enough. And uh, those were my eating habits. Well, at the time, uh, my kids were getting old enough to enjoy mac and cheese. My kids were getting old enough to enjoy hot dogs. And I started getting to the point where I was like, okay, you guys have mac and cheese, but you have to eat, you can't just eat mac and cheese. You have to have some vegetables or some fruit with that. Well, I'm over here eating this. And for about a month, there was so much tension in my life, in my, in my spirit, if I can say it like that, where I was like, I knew I was telling them to do something that for me, I was living a whole different way. I was saying, you have to be healthy while daddy's unhealthy. And so I, I then also preached a sermon, and, and the big, one of the big thoughts from the sermon was, if it's not okay for my kids, it's not okay for me. And it, and it convicted me, like, I needed to make some changes. And so I, that was one of my motivations. I started making, making changes. My daughter was also about to be born. I was like, I'm going to walk her down an aisle someday. I, got, I can't be, this won't get me there. And so I needed to make some changes. And, and so there's a few things. But while I was learning about eating, one of the things that my brother suggested to me was this documentary called Fed Up on, on Netflix. And one of, this is one of the big phrases is, Congress says pizza is a vegetable. And I was like, pizza vegetable? I was like, I used to live that life thinking that. Like, oh, tomato sauce, I'm eating vegetables. No, I'm not! And, and so I watched this and I started learning about like the government and like different things about this. And I started, like this helped me to be healthier. But as I was learning, Landon happened to be up the night that I was watching this. And so he sat next to me and he was watching it as well. And what I saw Landon doing about a week later was he grabbed, he grabbed something from the, the grocery store, I think, or maybe a gas station. And I saw him reading the label and getting the point where I was like, oh, dad, there's not much sugar in this. I can have it. Or, or another one, he's like, dad, there's a lot of sugar in this. I'm going to choose the, the option with less sugar. He was like seven years old at the time. And so because he had watched that with me, he learned about it and he was making healthier choices. I was in the position of a learner. And instead of coming down hard on my son for doing eating in ways I wasn't myself eating, I positioned myself as a learner and invited him into the learning process. 
There wasn't condemnation. There wasn't, there, there, there wasn't hi, uh, heaping over him with all sorts of hatred for the way he, he was. Let's, invi- let's be invited into the learning process together and hold each other accountable in this. That is what Jesus is driving at here. Our approach. God, J. J- G.K. Chesterton says this. Now, the mistake of critics is not that they criticize the world. It is that they never criticize themselves. Our big thought for the morning is this. What I want us to take away from this is that look within before calling out someone's sin. If you notice, and we live in a broken world, we can notice sin all around us, whether it's in ourselves or whether it's outside our families or our friends or whatnot. We're good at that. (laughs) But, But are we willing to first look within? Before I approach somebody else, and do I, care about, do I care about holiness enough to apply it to myself? So here are just a few suggestions. Have you, as you notice sin in another's, in your best friend or in a life group member, here, here are some things that we can do. We can first, we can pray. But when we pray, we're first looking inward. God, I notice, I notice this sin in somebody else. If I am the one to approach, am I being a hypocrite? Am I best positioned to approach the sin that I notice in somebody's life? I'm looking inward and praying for myself. The second thing that I'm going to do is pray for wisdom. I'm going to pray for wisdom. Why? Because like I said, it is in our nature to ignore everything in our lives while picking out 35 different things in the person's life next to me that they need to change. Here, I can list every area that the person next to me sucks at life. Well, I'm so perfect. No, I need to pray for wisdom that what I see in another needs to be addressed. We, sometimes we get into a conversation when we want to address every little bullet point of things that they need to change. Sometimes love just needs to cover a multitude of sins. Sometimes that, that, the, the, the second ping there is that we need to pray over endless growth. If I address this, is this for them to grow in their walk with Jesus? Or am I just trying to be judgy, make them feel bad, and then move on? No, is my heart to say we need to grow to be more like Jesus. That's empathetic. That's sympathetic. And that's, that's the, third, the, the fourth thing there is that we're also going to be praying for the approach. I'm at the point where I've prayed inwardly. I'm at the, I'm at the point to, to where I've prayed. I'm like, this is necessary. But now I'm going to pray about, okay, I'm going to approach them. How do I approach where I'm not a hypocrite? How do I approach where I, where I communicate love? How do I, how do, if, if I'm the one to approach, if there's not somebody better to approach, it, it really has to be me. Will I do it from a place of empathy? The fifth thing on the list here is approach. <laughs> we don't start by approaching and then pray it all works out. We pray We pray, we pray, and then we approach. And that is how we will blaze a new trail. That's how that, that, that we will focus on what needs to be focused. When we're out there, we're focused on the gospel. When we're in here, yes, the gospel still comes into play, obviously, but we're helping people to grow, to become more and more like Jesus Christ. We're going to extend forgiveness. We're not going to say, hey, we have the license. We, we do whatever we want. No, we're going to say this was wrong, and we're going to extend forgiveness to people. Because we ourselves have been forgiven. Because what does that communicate to the unbelieving world? If we don't care about the way in which that we live in the community as believers, does it, and we go out into the world, we say, hey, Jesus Christ died for your sin. Your sin is a very big deal. Jesus died for it. And then they walk through our doors and we're saying, you do you? And we're saying, well, this person's sleeping with that person. This person's doing that. There's drugs over here. And, and, and well, okay, well, you just... What does that communicate to them? 
nothing good. What does it communicate to them if they walk through our doors, they understand the message of Jesus, but they go to the, you go to the other side of the spectrum. They're, they're in our loving community while we're gossiping about somebody. Well, well, this person in life group is actually kind of a jerk. You shouldn't hang out with them. This, this person is doing this, and they're uh, like, or, or hey, we're, we're coming down hard and beating people over the head. They're not going to walk through our doors and want to stay. They're going to run as quickly as they came in. And so our approach has to be loving. We have to care about the people next to us. I really feel like we should all join a life group. Many people walk in this room with a hidden life. A hidden life leads to hidden sin. Do we, do we value growing and being more like Jesus Christ to the point where we're going to get into a life group and be known? To be known and to be encouraged in just that. Be more like Jesus Christ. Blaze a new trail. I was at BJ's the, the other day, and uh, I, I, was, uh, I went in there for some bananas and, and was walking out with about $450 worth of stuff. And uh, I was in line. They only had two lanes open. I was like, I felt like I was the 18th person in line when I got into the line. And I was working my way up, like 30 minutes of waiting in this stupid line. And then they finally got another cashier right as I was getting towards the front. And, and that cashier, they had actually made an announcement like, okay, if you're in line, you can get in here. But there were some people that came up to the line and weren't waiting in line. They had just got there at just the right time that then went into that line meant for me. And I was like, oh, no. But my, but my, but my cart weighed about 600 pounds. So I was like, okay, well, I actually don't really want to move this cart. I'm good. I'm here. Why not just wait and be patient? But the person behind me that didn't have right to that lane, I had right to that lane, started yelling. <laughs> Started being like, you jerk, this, that, like you should wait, blah, blah, blah. And they started getting into a little bit of tiff, uh, tiff. And then like five minutes later, the person behind me that was yelling at him started acting like his best friend. I was like, you're a sociopath, like this is weird. Uh, but, but I didn't address any of it. It didn't get to the point where I needed to address the person behind me. But if that were Josh, I would have addressed it. I would have said, Josh, like, what about Wellspring? What are you, they're going to see you on Facebook Live and you're berating this person now. Or, or Josh, like, put Wellspring aside. Who cares about that? Josh, you're just, you're a follower of Jesus. Is that really worth berating that person for? Can we, if, we're gonna, if, if anybody's going to be wronged, let it be us. <laughs> May we be patient. May we be forgiving. I would have prayed about that. Josh and I would have talked. We would have encouraged each other in that. But Joe Schmo, who's just berating, like, he needs to have a better day. I need to tell him about Jesus who can lead to a better life and a little bit more of a patient life. That's a different focus. And so my challenge to us this morning is that we would pray and keep praying until we can be compassionate. If you need to approach somebody in, in the wrong of their life, in the sin of their life, are you willing to pray to the point of being compassionate? And if you can't be compassionate, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Let's work. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to stay connected, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and if you would like to help us with our mission of igniting a craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving our community, you can find the link to give and all the other ways to connect with us down in the description box below.